Matt Rife is hilarious. Like, he's really funny. And it's so nice to see a comedian who's taken kind of his own destiny into his own hands and has avoided, bypassed all the gatekeepers, has put out his own content online, grown his platform on TikTok and grown it uh, with the love and the support and the sharing and the promotion of his predominantly female audiences. So was he a massive twat to open his Netflix special with a joke that says, basically, oh wait, she's got a black eye. Well, if she was a good cook, she probably wouldn't have got that black eye. Yes, he's a fucking Muppet. Let's talk about it. On today's episode of Do Do Do, Famous with a Baby. Here's the thing, right? Here's what annoys me. To do a solo show takes skill. It's an art form. It's very, very precise. I think it's very uh, intentional. I don't think it's as easy. And I disagree. Or like, personally, it's shit when it's just a bunch of jokes put together for an hour. Like, that's fine if that's what you want to do. I walk away from that feeling still hungry. Like, I see that like eating a pack of biscuits. Like, it's cool. There's no nutritional value to it. It's fine. For me, a solo show gives you an opportunity to put together a body of art, a body of work, a piece of art that you're sharing with an audience that I think is, ah, chef's kiss, beautiful. And as somebody that's done solo shows for a long time, even I can see in my previous shows the quality difference, right? So, like, there's certain shows that I've done that I knew every line, every word, every beat, and there's others as I've grown as an artist that you go, I'm going to play with this more, make it more flexible, but the intention is still the same, that you want to leave audiences feeling moved, um, you want to leave them feeling excited, you want them to leave feeling, like, like nourished. That's what I want, right? That's what I want. And my, my specials are beautiful, they're pieces of art, and... I can't get a Netflix special for love nor money, mate. Can't get one. Fucking, I'm going to stop trying. I give up. You win Netflix. It's a numbers game. It's who's got numbers, who's got profile, who do you know, all of that jazz. That's who they promote and push forward. So for Matt Rife to have grown his platform and got to a place where he's doing a solo show and then the solo show get annihilated, it's kind of, it's really sad and that it's almost inevitable because several things here. It's wonderful that he finally got his opportunity for a Netflix special, but he only got that because of the hard work that he's put in, the hard graft that he's put in. And because of that, he's been able to afford himself the profile where Netflix will now pay attention because Netflix know that's going to bring in all of his audiences. So all of his audiences are going to come to that. And so what's the first joke that he did? The first joke that he did alienates his female audiences. It's a big fuck you to his female audiences. Even if you're like, oh, it's not that bad. It's not It's not that funny. It's not even that funny. Like, it's not even a funny joke. And yes, you can say like, oh, it's a domestic violence joke, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's doing a joke. Do I think Matt Rife is a domestic violence advocate? Absolutely fucking not. Obviously, he is not, right? It's a joke. But what he was trying to do is a dog whistle to his male audiences um, and to try and play with the big boys because the big boys run comedy on Netflix. Dave Chappelle, Ricky Gervais, they run comedy. And they run it and they're controversial, right? Some of them are genius at it. They're controversial, though. That's what they do. And they get off on being controversial. And sometimes it's controversial because it's got a really valid point. And sometimes it's just because I don't know what they're trying. It's a dick swinging competition. And I think Matt and I have tried to join in with the dick swinging competition and be like, I've got just as big a dick. But you just failed on your ass. You dick, you, like you dickwad. Because all your audience is like, what? What are you doing this? Like it would have been so refreshing if he'd have come in with a joke that was empowering women, that was celebrating women. That was like, like, do you have any idea how much love he would have got? He would have got so much love, but as a result, 
the special from what I've seen has been panned and um, I don't even think it's that bad of a special like it's probably not bad but it's it's difficult when you're a comedian you do crowd work if you're used to doing crowd work so crowd work works for many reasons because crowd work works on improvisation which people love because people feel like it's magic so you see somebody create something on the moment in the spot and you're like yay like it just it, it tickles a part of your brain when you see somebody make connections that quickly it's beautiful it's like my friend um, Susan Messing used to always say improv it's like watching um when you see people in unison it's like when you watch uh, synchronized swimmers and you see it and you go oh my god it looks so pretty yay there's a part of your brain that gets tickled and he has built his following on improvised sets, improvised sets from doing crowd work. And that's great. And it is it is a type of comedy that we've seen blown up, but it also is affecting audiences. That's going to have a direct impact on audiences because that kind of comedy only happens in the room at the time, right? Which means you're happy to share it online because most jokes that you work on, so jokes and material that you take, can take years to hone, like joke our jokes are our currency so that's why when live at the apollo comes along and they say we want to pay you for a set what they're paying you for is your jokes because you can never do them again once they've been seen you can't do them again this is the this is what i'm bitter about right comedy is not like music like i wish i could do the same routines again and again and again i mean i do at the moment because i've got nothing else to say that's a side point i wish i could do the same routine again and again and again and again and people were just like yay play that favorite joke of yours do the bit about cows like, I'd love that. Oh, my gosh, that'd be so easy. I'd love that. Like, I feel like Adele's job is so easy. I love you, Adele, and Beyonce. And, yes, obviously, you both work really hard. But, like, I feel like your jobs are so much easier. Like, and Taylor Swift. Like, I'm counting you in this. Like, you play the same songs that everybody loves. Like, imagine if they had to write a new song that you have to then love immediately then. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? So, with comedy, because our jokes are our things, but they take a long time to hone, you don't release them online because as soon as you do you can't do it in the room and then you lose your um you lose your opportunity to make an income from it so once you release it out there you have to be okay that like that joke's gone like that joke's dead now like people can enjoy it and celebrate it but it's dead now uh, there are a few jokes that make exceptions so for example my thigh gap routine there was a there was a few years that people would like request the thigh gap they were like do the thigh gap joke and that was really cool or the what would Beyonce do show when I came back with my best off show 10 there was routines in that that people were like do that routine but it's rare, like it's rare, it's rare, it's rare, it's rare. Um, but you capture a magic in the room. And so then what that teaches an audience is, audiences is if they see that on TikTok, A, your attention span is tiny because you're just flicking through things on TikTok, through videos. But B, what you're doing is you're seeing a quick joke, next, 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 and you're seeing it based on audience interaction. So now you've got these comics that are selling out arenas. So they're, they're, huge, they're creating huge finances. They're creating a lot of money in ticket sales, right? They're generating a lot of ticket sales. And off the back of these ticket sales, of these audiences coming to see them in their droves, you're playing bigger and bigger venues. So it's not as intimate as a comedy club anymore. So bearing in mind a comedy club is nice when it's low ceiling, intimate, anything, anything from 30 people to like, I don't know, 400 people, like it can feel lovely. But once you start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, that audience are coming because they've seen your crowd work. So what they want to see is more crowd work. But that's very boring for an hour. For 75 minutes, that's boring. Because if you're at the back of a room watching somebody do crowd work, you're like, mate, I'm not even in it. Like, I'm not even in the joke because I can't see it. I can't make out who you're talking to. Like, unless there's generic stuff, you can't do it. So then you're getting comics going on tour and the audience are just started shouting out because they're like, make it about me, make it about me. And you've kind of like shot yourself in the foot there because you've set yourself up as a crowd work comic and then you're doing crowd work. And this is a skill. Don't get me wrong. It's a skill. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And... 
I'm the opposite. Like, I like doing shows and whole materials. Like, I'm in sets even, I'm not great. Like, I've, I've, I've hit and miss. But in a show, I know what I'm doing. So I'm desperate to get people on bums on seats to come and see a show because for me, it's a full fucking eight teen course meal from Ophim in Birmingham which was delicious like for me it's that like it's an epic meal where everything is tasty delicious necessary intentional that you leave feeling so full and so excited by the world that's what you want but I don't put my shows out on big platforms or I put clips on them because once you put them out there they're dead so it's just different types of comedy for different people. That's all it is. And that's what's beautiful about comedy. You could do crowd work. You could do improv. You could do clowning. You could do surreal. You could do one-liners. Like, it's beautiful. And I love seeing these new, these uh, newer avenues um, being, uh, being open to comedians to completely remove gatekeepers and be like, we're going to sell out, you know, 4,000 seats on our own because we've built a following. Like, it's fucking sublime. I'm here for it. I love it. I love to see it. I love to see people do well and smash it. It makes me so happy. It's exciting. But what I was disappointed with with the Matt Rife thing, I mean, I'm not disappointed. I'm not personally affected by it. But what's interesting is watching the Matt Rife thing is you're like, oh, mate, you just fucking shot yourself in the foot there because now you've alienated your female audiences. And then he went on to... uh, post an apology which led people to a website where they had to put a like it was a special needs helmet like it was just it was so basic like it was so it was such a poor response and then what's been even funnier is there's a plastic surgeon on tiktok going around who did this really funny tiktok that said oh man i'm gutted i just gave my patient one of the best jaw lines in the game and now he's gone and cancelled himself. And people are saying Matt Rife, Matt Rife, Matt Rife. Like, there's no, there's no evidence of Matt Rife. It's just people are saying it's Matt Rife because people were talking about how chiselled his beautiful face is. Um, and apparently, Matt Rife commented on that and said something and uh, was basically butthurt about it. And they were like, so you can't take a joke. And then the plastic surgeon sent him a response with a link to a helmet, which has got a really large chin strap which I thought was very funny, actually. Now, that's a funny joke, right? But it's context. It's context, context, context. And it's punching up. It's it's punching up, not punching down. And that's what I think we've got to be careful with. Because with comedy, you can talk about anything. We can literally talk about anything in comedy. I completely disagree with this bullshit. They're like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. Yes, you absolutely can. But what you are saying has to be done with such fucking love it has to be pure intent. If there's any hate or malice in it, it's it's wrong. But equally, if there's any way that your joke can be misinterpreted by an audience or people in the audience who already have a biased agenda at something, it's wrong. So Matt Rife doing that joke about, you know, a black eye, she didn't have a black eye, she could, you know, if she cooked, she wouldn't have a black eye. People that laugh along with that, some will be laughing because they just feel like they have to because they're there and they're like, ha ha, you just sometimes laugh. And some will be like, yeah, that's really funny. Like, yeah, there's an element of truth in that. Like, they're the ones that you should be scared of. Like, that's terrifying. You should be scared of that. Like, that's not cool. Like, that's not cool at all. And that's where you should be careful. Like, if there is any way that your audience can misunderstand and not see the irony in your joke and take it for face value and laugh, you're fucked, mate. Your joke's not good enough. Cut it out of the show. And I've seen some criticism online saying like, oh, all these producers, directors would have signed off on it. What they would have signed off of is, Matt, you do your material. You do your material. It's your show. This is your opportunity. We're not going to interfere. We're going to let you do your thing. This is your thing. And he chose to throw his audience under a bus. 
And that's a real shame that he did that. But you'll learn now and we'll forgive him because he's cute and funny. And he'll come back. <laughs> but it is interesting. So I was asked to um, write an article about it uh, this week. So I wrote a little article about it. And then this is how press works in the UK, which I'm kind of just navigating and trying to figure out um, because I'm going on tour what? <laughs> uh, next year with my show called Bitter. And um, we look at, we look at it. by the way, just to heads up, if you are looking for female fronted, female focused, very much pandering to female audiences, because that's what Matt Rive said. He said he didn't want to pander to female audiences. Come watch my shows. I've been pandering to the girls and the gays since day one, mate. Like, oh my God, are you female? And you want some comedy? Babe, I'm your girl. Like, come, 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 come. Men like it too. That's what's annoying. Ugh, how do we cut the men? out keep keep them out lock the doors shut them out no men like it too i know it's so awkward anyway um i was asked to write this article and then uh, they came along and they said can you talk about the prodigy because the prodigy have changed the lyrics to their iconic song smack my bitch up which i never even got that's what it meant smack my bitch like it never even occurred to me that that's what that song was like smack my bitch up like i never saw it like that i never even liked the song it's too too much noise for me. Like, I like Cher kind of rock and roll, not Prodigy rock and roll, but each their own. And um, they're going to change their lyrics. Apparently, they're changing the lyrics to something else uh, to move away from domestic violence. Um, I've done inverted commas there. That's a kind of a quote, kind of a quote. And they asked me to talk about it, right? And so I was kind of like, well, I don't really care for this shit. Like, I don't believe in, not I don't believe in, I don't agree with cancel culture. Like, I think it's bullshit. I think people should be held accountable. I think people are allowed to learn and to grow. And I think that actually those lyrics served a purpose and a time and a place. I also think the same with that song, that Christmas song where they go, and if you're going to be offended by this, please close your ears, where they go, you scumbag, I'll change it to maggot, um, you cheap, lousy maggot um like i don't like that's the song that's the song like if people want to play the song let them play the song like for me i don't think oh we should cancel these songs or change the lyrics like i don't i just feel like can we not hold accountability now can we not show growth can we not show change can we not show that that shit doesn't work now can we not take those experiences and learn from it can we not go can you see how that was at a time and a place but can you see how now um, these things can have we have more insight, have more understanding, we have more empathy, we have more access to each other, and lots of different people and lots of different ways of life and lots of different people and lots of different lots of different approaches to life, and actually stereotype approaches whether that's you know shoot it, there's a I was gonna say rat in my kitchen that's there's a bitch in my kitchen I was gonna say <laughs> which isn't a song but never mind like is there a is that can we hold a space for growth? Can we hold a space for growth for learning? And I feel like we need that. I really feel like we need that. I really hate this polarization that we're seeing, like left, right, and center. I just, that's funny, left, right, and center. Left and right. I hate the polarization that we're seeing. I would like us to, I would like us to come to a place where we are more forgiving. And the prodigy, to be honest, they probably don't even care about the lyrics. They've got a tour coming out. It's probably a PR stunt. Like they probably don't actually give a flying monkeys about the lyrics. Like if they were really that, like, you know, bothered by it, I'm sure they'd set up a charity or donate. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But I can't help but think in this day and age, it's a PR stunt. Like, why else? Why else? Why is it relevant to now? Like, how is it remotely relevant to now? Like, it's not unless you're trying to make yourself relevant to now. And that's just doing, you know, things that, you know, let's just get bums on seats. Let's just sell tickets, mate. Let's just say what we've got to say to sell tickets. I mean, aren't we all doing that? Aren't we all doing that? But I wrote this article and uh, I submitted it and I didn't really have much opinion on the prodigy thing other than like it was a time and a place, like it was an iconic song. I 
do I think they should change lyrics? Not really. Like I don't, I disagree with that. Just leave it. Let's, you know, let's all move forward. Let's just hold accountability now. Let's protect women and girls now. Let's protect women now. Let's stop fighting about it from artists. And why don't we hold the government accountable where they actually have things? And maybe, for example, we could hold the government so accountable that they wouldn't essentially decriminalise rape because less than 1% actually get convicted. Like, maybe that's where we should get angry. Not with artists and people that are just portraying art and doing art and doing their fucking thing, right? I feel like we're taking aim at the wrong fucking people. Like, our world leaders are disgusting. They're horrific. Some of the crimes being committed are fucking horrible like that's where we should take our anger not this weird kind of is it culture wars is that what you call it i don't know mate and um i wrote this article and i sent it in and the next thing i know they published it and they completely changed what i wrote and i was not ready for that i was not ready for that um so they completely changed uh different elements of like how i wrote it and how i said things they completely changed it they made me have a much more aggressive stance against the song and they changed the last paragraph because the last paragraph was me going guys if you want to pander to female comedy like come and see my shows and they changed it to i think we should never play the prodigy song ever again and he should absolutely stand up and say with my hand on my chest i i stand against domestic violence and I was like, I, nev- I never said that. Like, I, ne- I never, I never said that. And then they printed it, but it was printed, written by Louise Romland. And you're like, no, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually say that. Like, I didn't actually say, like, I don't actually agree with that. But everyone's got an agenda, haven't we? And you've got to do what you can, mate, to fucking, you know, get press, make money, baby. So speaking of, um, Speaking of making money in the festive period, um, it is the season to be jolly and to buy gifts and presents and things. And I thought it would be cool if this December, I don't know, I thought there's maybe something we could do together. And I don't know what it is yet. I thought like a 12 days of Christmas, like live streams. And I, like, I used to love my live streams. I find them really fun, like being coming on live at a certain time, a certain time of day. In, in lockdown, I did this uh, lockdown lives. And I did every, every day at 11 o'clock and I loved it. We had such a fun chat. And I'm wondering if there's like a 12-day of Christmas idea live stream that we could do. And I don't know what it is, but we could just talk. We can get together. We could chat about how expensive everything is. We could chat about like life. We could chat about if you're going to be on your own at Christmas. We could chat about what your plans are for New Year. We could chat about what presents you're hoping to get. We could chat about what you'd like to see for the world this year. We could chat and look and reflect on the last year and look at how things have changed and what we can be proud of of what accomplishments we've achieved because I've certainly had a turnaround year in the last 12 so we can do that so if you'd like to do that let me know leave some comments leave some messages um dm me find me on tiktok and on instagram I'm more vocal on there don't find me on facebook because everybody's sending me like spam emails now on facebook it's really annoying uh so I'm using it less and less um and without further ado thank you for listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it uh let's discuss what we're going to talk about next week I don't know what we're going to talk about next week we'll see what happens next week um in the meantime this podcast was sponsored by Big Love Productions uh, the Bitter Tour is coming to a town and city near you in spring 2024 I'm really pleased Cardiff has nearly sold out Bristol has nearly sold out Norwich has nearly sold out um so we're doing really well so I'm really pleased we're on, we're on track um there's lots of tickets left at Newcastle Manchester Aberdeen I still don't know why I'm going to Aberdeen. I don't know whose fucking idea that was. Like, it was it was my idea. Like, I thought it would be good. But, like, genuinely, mate, I don't know what we're doing. Um, So, uh, come and see a show. Sheffield, I'm coming to see you. So, I'm excited about Sheffield. Um, So, yeah, come and see a show. It'll be really fun. Swindon, eh? Swindon. Um, 
come and see a show because I'm coming to a city near you. For all the dates and tour dates and links to tickets, you can get it in the bio. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, have a lovely weekend. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Do Do Do, Famous with a Baby.